You want to make changes in your life, maybe professionally or in your emotional regulation, but you're concerned about other people and this stops you from making steps on what you truly want. In this episode, I'm going to share with you a four-step process of making change and also hopefully help you let go of needing permission from other people. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a therapist, coach, and the creator of the Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken, where I teach you how to live with more clarity, confidence, and connection without the psychobabble. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. What is personal growth, first off? It is the ongoing, it's not just like a one-time thing, it's an ongoing, generally like, general process of improving yourself. Typically, this results in more feelings or emotions of pride and confidence and satisfaction. This also can lead to more connection with other people, with yourself, and more energy to meet your life's goals. I have a four-step general outline of what uh, personal growth can look like. Each of these steps, like there's way more information that we could get into for each of these, and maybe I will in the future, but for now, I'm going to give you the overall process, and you'll have to kind of plug in what that looks like for you in your life. The four steps are, number one, self-reflection. This is just being honest about what you need to change. Uh, Identify what it is that is causing you distress that you have some level of control over, like maybe reducing the amount of junk food that you eat, or maybe there's an emotional something you're going through, like anger, and then maybe there's things that you can't directly control the anger, I guess, but it's more about what can you do to, what do you have control over to influence the anger and reduce the amount of anger you're going, that you have. So it could be a behavioral goal, it could be a career goal, it could be an emotional goal, which is like, what do you have control over? What do you have influence over? And be honest about it, and that would be your start. Number two, step two of this personal growth process is learning. So just learn about what you identified in step one. If you need to reduce your anger, then learn about you know what anger is, where it comes from, how other people have reduced their anger. Maybe is there like, Instead of looking at anger as a bad thing, can we look at it as maybe it's a more positive side to this? So just kind of do a deep dive into anger, learn. This can help to make it more normalizing. Hopefully you won't feel like there's something wrong with you and you'll notice that other people have anger as well. Or maybe they are having a hard time in their business just like you are, or they're having a hard time interpersonally in their relationship just like you are. So learning can provide you with normalization and validation. But it also can just kind of start to give you ideas to work with. That way you're not just like on an island by yourself with the problem that you have or that you want to change. The third step of this process is to make achievable goals. This is giving yourself something specific to work towards, like feeling more calm and relaxed every day. In Within this is the large goal, like I want to feel more relaxed. But then within that large goal are action steps, like setting aside time for daily meditation, maybe. And the fourth step in this personal growth process is to implement the techniques from step three. So try it out and then change them as you need to. Just make tweaks here and there. And we're, we're going to plug this in later on in this episode, but that's just a general overview right now. Personal growth that was more than like external excess. Like you, you could work on something and change your behavior and that's fantastic. You could make concrete marketing goals for your business and achieve them. But in order to achieve that external success, 
you're probably going to identify that there's some sort of internal other goal that you need to work on, like maybe believing in yourself more or saying kinder things to yourself. And then when you achieve, let's say you do achieve that external goal of, you know, improving your marketing goals, you'll probably notice that that has an impact on you internally. You'll have an emotional experience of meeting that external uh, goal. You'll feel accomplished, proud, maybe even more determined. So personal growth, yeah, it does involve observable external behaviors, but interchange either happens before it or comes along with it or or both. I think typically it just could be both. Personal growth requires a willingness to challenge yourself, to step outside your comfort zone, and to commit to continuously learning and improving, to, to look at change as small steps, maybe small habits that you have to pick up and continue to snowball into other things. And really, like I think personal growth is about becoming the best version of yourself and having a fulfilling life. And now that's completely up to you. I don't know what the best version of you looks like. That's completely up to you. And I don't know what a fulfilling life, I know what that means to me. And I think I'm still learning that as I age. But what a fulfilling life is to you, I don't know. That's something that you'll have to be honest with yourself about and be curious about as well as, as time goes on. I think these are always evolving. I don't think they're static. I think as you get older, as your life priorities change, you know, a fulfilling life is going to look different. And the best version of yourself, like for me, the best version of myself when I was 21 is nowhere near what it is for me now. The best version of myself has a lot to do with being a dad, uh, being a husband, and, you know, being successful in my career. Yeah, pretty boring, I know. But that is the best version of myself is about, you know, other people, really. How do I serve my family and the people in my career and you as well? And yes, I'm taking care of myself, but with where I'm at in life, it's more about how can I serve um, other people and really impact the world in a positive way. You know, was it like that when I was 21? No. 16? No. Personal growth is not, um, not only are you, are you allowed to grow personally, but it's necessary. As you change your life, as you access more positivity through your personal growth, you're going to also access more of your body's safety state. If you know the polyvagal theory, you know all about this. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, if the, polyvag- if the word polyvagal theory or the phrase polyvagal theory makes no sense to you, go back in this podcast and listen to episode 101. That would be the place to start for that. But the, the safety state is basically your body's natural biological capacity to feel safe. It, there are these um, specific pathways, ventral vagal pathways that when they're activated, you are healthier, you have more growth, and your body is able to heal itself. Dr. Portis, the creator of the theory, says that it's uh, ideal for, or it's needed for health, growth, and restoration. So personal growth, to me, as I understand it, directly connects to your whole safety state. Like as you grow and become more proud of yourself, and as you meet your life goals and have more connection with yourself and with others that necessitates that you'll have more access to safety. And as you do that, then your flight fight activation, those defensive states shut down and freeze. Those are probably going to reduce as as well. Now, of course, as you set yourself up with new goals to achieve, yeah, that might activate some defensive states as well. But as long as you can tolerate it and ground yourself in your safety state, like through my building safety anchors course, then You'll be able to meet these goals, grow from them, and have more, even more distress tolerance, even more of an anchor in your safety state. So personal growth is not just like you're allowed to, and I, I think you should challenge yourself, 
but I think it's kind of necessary. I think it's very necessary for your general health, your physical health, but also your mental health. So I've said a couple times that you're allowed to make positive changes in your life. You don't need permission from other people. You don't need permission from me, but you know, maybe hearing it out loud just does something for you. So I'll offer, I'll just say it out loud, but you don't need permission from me. This is something, or from anybody else. You're allowed to grow personally in, in whatever way that looks like for you. Yeah, it might be nice to have approval. It might be nice to have support, but it's also unnecessary. You are in control of your own life to some extent. There, there, there are things that you do have control over or what seems like control at least. And you do have what looks like to be the power to make choices that will benefit you and to stop doing some things and you know, start doing other things. Like starting a new hobby, you can choose to do that. Improving your health, you can choose to do that. Working on your relationships, these are all choices that you can make or, or goals that you can work toward at least. No, it's not easy. Yes, it is a long process, but nobody is going to do that for you. And nobody has the power to give you permission to begin to do that. That is up to you entirely. And it's always possible to start. You don't have to wait for somebody else to tell you it's okay to make a change. It is always possible to start. I don't care how old you are. I'm 42 and I'm still creating new goals for myself to work on professionally, in my family, and yeah, personally as well, and also interpersonally. And if you think that you do need somebody else's permission, I would go back to step one of this and be honest with yourself, admit that, and that is one thing that you can start to work on. That is something that you can start learning more about and maybe make a goal around. Responsibility is a big part of this, taking personal responsibility for your own growth and your own well-being. Yeah, of course, it's okay to rely on each other. Right now I'm giving and you're receiving you know, my thoughts and hopefully my encouragement and compassion. So even in this form, it's completely okay to accept things from other people, right? I hope you have people in your life that you can rely on. I hope you have, I don't know, a therapist, a best friend, a, a, a spouse. So it's completely okay to rely on other people in, in one, in mutual, I would say mutually rely on other people. We don't want it to be a one-way street. So I think it's okay to allow other people to support you if they're offering it. Don't demand it. I think it's I think it's okay to ask for help when you need it, but ultimately you do need to take responsibility for your own growth and your own well-being. So instead of seeking for validation from others and getting permission, focus on you. Focus on what it is you're not happy with in your life, what you have control over, and what you can realistically you know, uh, set a goal for it and start making some changes in, even small changes. What can you be proactive about? Now, are there people to blame for certain aspects of your life? Yeah, undoubtedly. Are your parents on some level to, to blame for your current stuck polyvagal defensive state? Probably, probably. Yeah, I mean, sure. I'm sure we could assign blame, yeah. Uh, your family, your society, religious institutions, cultural cultural um, beliefs and norms. Yeah, we, we could blame these things up and down, up and down. And that's valid. That might be completely valid. That might be completely true. We could blame anybody and everybody in the, that, that might be an accurate blame. But uh, regardless, you are still responsible for making change for yourself. You just are. So your current context of your life, your current polyvagal state, your level of hope that you have, 
uh, yeah, that might be a reflection, of, probably is a reflection of your past. Well, it is. And so we could assign blame and we can make sense of why you are the way you are, how you, why you think the way you think, why you feel the way you feel. And I won't disagree with you about that. But when it comes to right now in this moment, in the next moment, and tomorrow in the month, the month, next month, that is up to you. That, that is not up to those people anymore. So I would encourage you to embrace that and take complete responsibility for this moment and what happens in the future that you do have control over. Yeah, stuff's going to pop up in life. Random stuff will happen. There will still be, you know, things working against you and obstacles. That, that is life, though. So both of these can be true at the same time. You, we can blame, you can blame everybody in your past for how you are, and that might be true and valid. But it's also true that you are responsible for making a change in your life. It's your life. It's not theirs, right? You do, you do make your own choices. And that can start right now. So both of these things can be true. So after accepting all that, if, if you're still here with me, the next step would be to set clear goals for your personal development. And that might sound like a big task, and it kind of is. It's not easy. I'm asking you to make change. I'm asking you to take responsibility for change. I'm also telling you that you don't, you don't need anyone else's permission to do so. So this line of thinking, the way that I'm talking, might be different. It might be out of control. It might be, you might have some pushback against it. So the solution to this is to create um, clear goals and clear action steps, things that are practical and doable. Th this setting goals and achieving them is fundamental, in my opinion, to personal development, personal growth, self-development. Like it's, it's at the core of it. So like I said before, step one is to identify where you need to grow. Just be honest, be compassionate for yourself. You don't have to do this with judgment. Just I, this is what I need to work. I need to work on just admit it, say it out loud if you need to or write it down. Step two is to learn some new information about that. Just do some research, like learning more about your polyvagal state maybe and how it, you know, how you got stuck and how, it, how you're staying stuck. You could go and I have tons of information for you. The Polyvagal Institute is a good resource. Dr. Porges is, uh, you know, his writings are difficult, but largely accessible, I think. If you're into this stuff, you could probably handle it. So learn, just learn, learn about this polyvagal stuff if you're into this or learn about attachment. Or if you're into it, I don't like it, but if you're into internal family system stuff or shadow work or ego stuff, like, all right, have at it, you know, just learn, go. Then step three is, to identify a large goal. So what is the thing that you want to change? So identify, this is what I want life, my life to look like. And instead of saying, I want to reduce my anger, which is fine, you could do that. But instead of saying, I want to reduce my anger, focus on what it is, not what you don't want, but what you do want. So you don't want anger. Okay, fine. What is it you do want in place of it? Do you want more calm? So the goal, instead of, would, instead of saying, I want to reduce my anger, the goal would be, I want to increase how much calm I'm feeling. And then you can like even give it a number, like every day I'm feeling calm zero times per day. And I want to increase that to once per day, maybe. So that, that's like the large goal is, I want to feel this more often. Or maybe, you know, improving your relationship satisfaction, improving communication with your spouse. But that's, that's kind of the bigger goal. What we want to do instead is to break, and we want to have that, keep that, but then also break it into action steps. Things that you can do that are measurable and that are achievable. Things you can do to reach that larger goal. 
This will help you to stay track on track, I think. This will help you to measure effectiveness. And it'll give you something to work on every day. Instead of just saying, I wish my life was different every day, you can say, oh, I'm supposed to do this action step. So let's say your goal is, I want to live with more calm and stillness in my life. The action step could be, I will start each morning with no electronics for one hour for one week. So give it, you know, just give it a week maybe. Be very specific about what it is you want to do. And maybe even more specific about when that takes place each day. So that's the action step. And then hopefully it leads to the goal of living with a bit more calmness every day. But it might not. That action step, maybe it's too much for you. Or maybe it's just not effective. Maybe it's a bad action step for what you want to accomplish in your larger goal. And so taking smaller mindful steps toward personal growth is very important. And what I mean by this is, and this is going to connect to step four, which is to try it out and then adjust it or attempt and adjust, I'm calling it. So this is basically, you know, like like I said before, personal growth is not a one-time thing. You don't just do it in one day, right? This requires consistent effort and dedication. So small and mindful steps, I think, are key to that. So step four is attempt it and adjust. Attempt the action step and then adjust it as you need to. And that means you kind of have to do so mindfully. So what, what I mean by that is, as you try out whatever the action step is, ask yourself how you feel about it. Okay, so let's say you go with the action step of existing without electronics in the morning for one hour. Some questions you might ask yourself, you know, if it's working or not, just ask yourself, does this feel more good or more bad? I mean, just to put it in like super simple terms, does this feel more good or more bad? You could ask yourself if you like it or if you dislike it. Super simple. To make it a little bit more complex, you could say, does it feel more calm or less calm? When I sit in silence for one hour every morning, do I feel more or less calm? Or is there another emotion that comes up for you? And is that emotion tolerable? Or you could ask yourself, does sitting in silence for one hour every morning help me to breathe easier and to think more clearly? If so, then you're probably starting to make steps toward your larger goal of feeling more calm, which is in place of feeling anger. Now, if you find that your action step is ineffective, maybe, you know, you do it and, and you, you say, no, this is, you know, more bad than good. This is more dislike than like, and I don't feel calm when I do this. So that would be an ineffective action step. So you come up with something different. So the goal could still be, I want to live with more calm and stillness in my life. But the revised action step could be, I will start uh, each morning with no electronics for 30 minutes. Maybe you drop it down to 30 minutes. Maybe an hour was too much. Or revised action step B could be, um, I will walk for 10 minutes every day before my lunch. Maybe that, maybe movement is a better idea for you. So that 10 minutes of mindful walking might bring you closer to calmness than, you know, having silence in the morning. These little steps should be approachable and tolerable, but they should be challenging. You might have to step outside your comfort zone a little bit. So do so in ways that are challenging, but manageable. And then as you master it, let's, let's say you do that one hour per morning and it's great. Eh, then you might want to extend it 30 minutes or maybe keep it the way it is. And then add on that, you know, that walk before lunch every day. So you want to make it a little bit more difficult. I'll wrap this up with um, kind of highlighting the importance of having people in your life that are supportive and positive. There's a good chance you don't have that. You know, I think that people who live in a very traumatized states 
day in, day out, have a harder time identifying safe people in their life. So there's a good chance you don't really have those safe and supportive people, those positive people in your life that we all need. We all need it. We're humans. We, we need each other. We are a social species. So this might be difficult, but I think I have a realistic option for you. But before I get there, it's extremely important. You want to surround yourself with people that are positive and supportive, people that are in their own safety state, ideally, or have enough access to it, because they'll be able to, to provide you something called co-regulation. And this is a biological process. It's unconscious. When people or when a mammal has access to their safety state, this could be a dog even, or it could be any mammal, but dogs are probably the easiest example of this. When one mammal has access to their safety state, they give cues to the other. So like a dog will give you cues of safety. And for dogs, that's, you know, getting close to you. Uh, they like to be pet. They'll look you in the eyes, they'll wag your tail. So touch and eye contact and playing, running around, like all these are like safety cues that a dog uses when it's in a safety state. It want, it'll want to get closer to you. It'll want to play with you. It'll just biologically be compelled to. So now imagine that basic idea with other people in your life. Now I'm not saying other people want to be pet by you. What I'm saying is that people in their safety state are going to gravitate hopefully towards you and provide you with smiles and eye crinkles and they're going to be compassionate and they're going to listen to you. They'll also challenge you and they'll also encourage you. Ideally. So having people in your life that can provide you with co-regulation, but also support, but also challenge is really ideal. That That's ideally what we want. It's not easy to find that. It really isn't. You could check, you know, your local area, see if there's any, I don't know, clubs or, or groups that, that meet up that might be a good fit for you. So that, that that's an option. And also on top of this, you know, maybe you don't have that core group of people. Maybe you have one. That's fantastic. That's someone. And then maybe you have other people in your life that you kind of need to, you know, cut out entirely maybe or spend less time with. So don't be afraid to distance yourself. Actually, let me rephrase that. It's okay to be afraid to distance yourself from those people. It's difficult. It's not easy creating those healthier boundaries, but um, it can be helpful. So as you prioritize your goals and your self-development and you spend time on those things, and you also, if you can spend more time with the people in your life that are providing you safety cues and co-regulation, that will equal you'll have less time for other people who are more toxic or negative or just neutral and, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to develop there or maybe they're fine just as, you know, work acquaintances or classroom acquaintances. So yeah, ideally you have a, you know, a group of people, small group of people that are supportive and positive. It's not always easy to do that. You, the other option here that I have for you, which is more realistic, but less than ideal, but also a very good option is to find people online. Like I think virtual groups are, can be a very good idea in person's best. Yes. Because the, because of the face to face contact, but it's a lot easier. I think to find people online, you could, you could do Facebook groups. There might be uh, private communities out there. There might be forums or discussion boards. So you can find people that are, have similar interests. And what you'll want to do is to try these out. Just join them, try it out and see how it is. So you have to kind of vet them. 
you know, you have to vet them. You have to check it out. And if it feels toxic or not a good fit for you or it's too negative, then you can leave. You don't have to be a part of those anymore. I think it's a lot easier to leave those types of spaces than like in-person ones with uh, relationships you've established, even if they're not the best of relationships. So online provides an opportunity to just kind of try things out and then back out if you want to or invest more of your time and energy if it's worth it. So yeah, finding someone or a group of people in person is best, but virtually there are, like I said, there's, there's some, there could be some really good options. I have my own option. It's called the Stuck Not Broken Total Access Membership, and that gives you access to a bunch of stuff. But one of them is my private community. We call it the Stuck Not Collective. This is a small group of people that are invested in their personal growth and their trauma recovery. And they also want to be a part of a, a, a group of people that are supportive and encouraging. There's no negativity. There's no toxicity. I'm monitoring everything and it's a great little group. I think it's a fit, perfect option in my opinion for someone that knows that courses would benefit them and that they want to be in a group of people that are focused on pretty much the same thing, which is their personal growth, trauma recovery, that is grounded in the polyvagal theory. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. If that sounds interesting to you, then the total access membership is probably right up your alley. I'll have a link for you in the description, but it's justinlmft.com slash total access again justinlmft.com slash total access. I'm really happy that you're here listening to the podcast. And I, I look forward to greeting you and meeting you in the Stuck Not Collective as well. I do also have a nifty gifty for you. Earlier, I mentioned the polyvagal theory and the safety state. If this is brand new to you, I have a free ebook. And it's not like a short thing, like it's a book book. It's, it's a, you know, it's got all the polyvagal stuff, the very deep dive, and you'll get that for free when you sign up for my email list. So if you go to justinlmft.com slash books, again, justinlmft.com slash books, and you sign up for my email list experience, you'll get that free ebook as well. And again, I'll have a link for you in the description. Thank you so much for listening, fellow Stuckna. I really hope that this episode has been helpful for you in your journey and your process of personal growth, personal development, self-development, self-improvement, whatever you want to call it. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.